How exactly does T-Rex Arms develop new product? And what are some of the lessons that we have learned as we have grown? Because things have changed a lot. Welcome to another T-Rex Talk. This is Isaac Botkin, and today we're going to be talking about uh, lessons that we have learned as we have um, changed how we do things when it comes to R&D. And most of those changes are actually because the company has grown, and so we just need a different way of doing it. But as you can imagine, we've also learned a lot of new things, and with learning the new things comes <laughs> new ways of doing stuff. Uh, that being said, the growth is really what has probably brought about the biggest change. In the holster development department, we have like half a dozen guys, and then we have a couple of engineers uh, supporting them. Uh, the engineers do a lot of stuff for everybody in the company, but primarily uh, they build the tooling for building the new products, which means they're heavily involved in the new product R&D process. So that's quite a few people doing R&D for a company our size. Uh, but it's also a lot of people doing R&D compared to uh, five years ago. And the reason we've been talking about that this week is because we've been discussing what things were like earlier when the company was smaller and a lot of our procedures were different, but also because uh, a gentleman came in to visit the shop and um, we were able to talk to him about his work as an industrial designer and product developer at a giant company. Uh, we feel like a pretty big company compared to where we were five years ago, but this guy was making very complicated products for a company that has two or three times as many factories as T-Rex has employees. So their R&D process is very different than ours when it comes to scale. And yet, um, when you're talking about teamwork, when you're talking about having a bunch of people working together on the R&D process... The processes and systems that you have to put in place for that teamwork to actually work, apparently not that different between a team of um, eight or nine guys or larger and larger teams. Obviously, the, the team at the top that's doing the R&D is going to be running subsequent teams that run subsequent teams in those bigger uh, situations. But we still get to be very, uh, very hands-on. That's something that hasn't changed that much uh, over the last five years. But five years ago, holster development was pretty different. We were still making a lot of holsters by putting hot kydex around a blue gun with popsicle sticks taped to it and squishing it between two pieces of foam. So holster development was pretty simple. If you found out that, say, Cogworks had made an extended slide release, then you would just tape another popsicle stick to the blue gun, and every holster that you made subsequently was Cogworks slide release compatible. Or if you decided that a holster needed an extra hardware hole, an extra retention screw, you would just start drilling an extra hole and adding the extra screw, and all subsequent holsters were that new design. Actually, about five years ago, our volume was high enough that we'd kind of gotten rid of tape and popsicle sticks, and we were gluing things semi-permanently to the blue guns. But still, it was a pretty easy thing to modify one way or the other, and uh, we had low enough volume going out the door that we did not exactly all of our beta testing on customers, but once we knew that 
we had enough blocking to clear the cogwork slide stop, then we would just make all our holsters that way from then on out. Same with new retention screws. Same with a slightly different cut path shape. At that point, we were still cutting everything on bandsaws, so it was just a matter of telling the guys cutting the holsters to make it longer, make it shorter, cut a little deeper into here, make the sweat guard an extra quarter inch higher, just write it on the instructions that they look up at, and done. There was a huge amount of speed and agility that comes from partly running small teams of people um, and partly because we were selling to small groups of customers. The consequences for making 10% of our holsters wrong was pretty minimal because that was, you know, one holster. And we knew that our customer support was really good. We would catch that one holster, we would make him a new holster, and so the consequences for making one holster bad were not very good. And the volume was low enough, and our customer uh, support and customer communication was good enough that we felt comfortable doing some level of beta testing with customers. Obviously, we weren't sending out stuff that was unsafe, we weren't sending out stuff that was wildly experimental, but... um, We didn't do nearly as much of the little teeny fine-tuning and ergonomic and other stuff. We didn't do quite as much of that stuff in-house when we were selling to lower volumes of customers. And that is how a lot of people work. There's a ton of people in the gun industry that have really low volume, and they get a huge amount of customer feedback from stuff that they make in really low volume. And when you make stuff in really low volume, you can change stuff really quickly. And the feedback loop between product development and customer is very small. And so you can get changes very quickly. And There's an advantage to that for sure, and it's something that I definitely miss at times, partly because there's a very nostalgic (laughs) sort of uh, memory of that time, but also because I like the speed and uh, the nimbleness and having that really short feedback loop where we know exactly what customers are thinking right after we make the first prototype. I'm just kidding. We never sent out first prototypes, but we would make a couple of prototypes. We would decide that we liked them and we would start sending that product out to customers really quickly. And we would start telling people about the product changes that we had made on Instagram really quickly. There would be, even if we weren't sending product out, there would usually be some kind of conversation with folks on Instagram about something that we were tinkering with and doing the same day or week that we were doing the tinkering and the doing. That's probably the thing that I I, I miss the most. But we work on stuff that has a much longer development cycle. And so we can't really talk about stuff ahead of time as much. The number of things that we try and experiment with that don't go anywhere is relatively high. And uh, we're slow enough that some of our really, really good ideas, uh, we really want to flesh out and confirm before we blast them out uh, across the entire internet. And it's not that we're necessarily trying to keep secrets necessarily, but a lot of times we do want head starts on uh, competitors. Even if we're going to open source the product later, we do want to get a little bit of a head start on uh, this thing that we're working on. But a lot of it is we just want to vet the product. We really want to test this and make sure that it's a good idea before customers buy it or before other people start to jump on that bandwagon and make something that isn't fully tried. And it's because our sales volume is really high that that this has become a priority. When we're launching a new product, a brand new product that we know will sell 10 holsters a week, 
It's not that those 10 customers don't matter as much as hundreds, but fixing their problems is so much easier and can be done so much more quickly. If you launch a product that's going to sell hundreds and hundreds of holsters the first hour, you really need to make sure that those are good holsters. You really need to make sure that you're not going to do a recall of hundreds of holsters. And you're going to be making those hundreds of holsters on tooling that is fairly difficult to change. So that's why everything takes longer and everything takes more testing and everything takes just a little bit more, I would say, secrecy during those early stages because we don't want to disappoint people by announcing a product that is six months of testing and tooling up away from being available. Now, it sounds like I'm complaining because I miss the old days of nimbleness and agility and really quickly getting feedback from customers and really quickly making changes to molds and to our process and just having constant improvement happen uh, every other day as opposed to after months of massive upgrades to the production line. And I do I do miss those days, but I'm not complaining about where where we are today. This is kind of the cost of doing business when you have so much business. And I'm not complaining about the growth, and I'm not complaining about the opportunity to send holsters out to so many more people um, than we were able to five years ago. And I'm not complaining about working on a team. This has actually been a tremendous thing that has happened, uh, is that the holster development guys have gone from being me to half a dozen people and a couple of engineers, and we get to work together. And that has been tremendous, not just uh, for the products. Uh, Having multiple people in a room bouncing ideas off of each other is really, really good for the product development and the design. And bringing in people who have engineering experience and capability is really, really good for the finished product and the process. But it's also just been really fun and good for me. I've had a tremendous time learning stuff and just the collaborative design process with more people has been really fun. The only downside is you guys aren't involved in it nearly as much anymore. That's the thing that I miss. And I kind of miss the speed because I can uh, I can get impatient. There's lots of times when we're working on something and I think it's really cool and we do the first day's worth of tests and we find out something really interesting and I think this would be a great Instagram post. <laughs> but the product is going to be months away from physically available. Because there is obviously a pretty big difference between being capable of building a prototype to production standards and being capable of supporting every gun and every light for every T-Rex customer who's going to buy it in that first week. Those are massively different amounts of preparation and tooling. We lose some speed, we lose some agility, but obviously we're a business and we like it when... (laughs) business is good. We like it when the manufacturing process is efficient with good automation and good tooling. And we really like it when we have fully tested and vetted product and we're confident that A, we can meet the demands of the customers uh, when it comes to quantity, but we can also meet their demands and expectations when it comes to quality. So these are really, really good things that I'm not complaining about, but it is just a new process. And the other thing that has changed is there's a little bit more division of labor. This is a neat thing that comes when you are running teams as opposed to doing everything yourself. Uh, but the team is small enough that everybody still gets to wear a lot of hats, which is probably equal parts uh, rewarding, you know, having the variety and frustrating 
because it's difficult to focus on the one thing. But the division of labor means that there can be a little more focus, even though the product development team is doing multiple things at one time. And and it's not just Kydex development. We work on the development of other products. Uh, and then there's other people in the company that work on the development of products as well. There's actually lots of people tinkering with designs. And um, everything does kind of swim around the company and get feedback from a lot of people. This is an advantage of having a larger company is we are able to do internal product testing with quite a few folks. So we have a, a much better program of keeping track of prototypes now than we did, say, this time last year when we launched the Ironside project. But we have a whole bunch of random things. Please do not speculate on what they are. But we have a whole bunch of random things floating around the company. Uh, floating might be the wrong term because we have like spreadsheets saying who has what version and when they got it and how long they've had it and when they're supposed to bring it back so they can get an upgraded version. Uh, we, we have had to build a bunch of those processes, but we have uh, a lot of feedback and we have a lot of testing and that teaches us a lot of stuff on a lot of different projects. Some of those are the Kydex development team developing brand new holsters from the ground up, like, uh, the sidecar 2.0 or the iron side. Uh, some of their work is new model support. So they will work on all the molds to support a new CZ or a new HK. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're not making holsters for the new HK. And then there's some level of not exactly maintenance, but sort of troubleshooting work for uh, the production line. So we make lots and lots of HDPE molds, which are bolted to aluminum plates with vacuum plenums cut in them. And um, that's pretty sturdy. If you drop one of those, it's probably fine. But if you drop it a second time, it's probably not fine. So making new molds that occasionally get dropped, fixing stuff that occasionally gets broken, or if stuff changes, occasionally a a firearm manufacturer or a light manufacturer will make tiny dimensional tweaks to their product. And we usually hear about this from customers. Uh, we usually don't hear about this direct from the company making the tiny tweaks. The customer will usually write to us and say, hey, this, uh, this such and such TLR1 holster just has a lot of slop in it. And customer service uh, talks to those guys about the different things that they are experiencing and asks them exactly what gun they have and exactly when they bought it and exactly uh, what light they have. And sometimes we find out that there is a new light. Um, it's just they've changed their production processes slightly or there's a new gun. They've changed the injection mold for the frame of the gun just slightly. And we have a few thousandths difference. And we decide whether or not we can uh, fix this by changing the mold or some other some other solution. So we're kind of split in between these three jobs of inventing brand new product, adding wider support to existing product, and the overall product support and production line support. And those different jobs are, yeah, they, they offer a lot of variety. They offer a lot of very interesting uh, opportunities to experiment, learn new things, and solve new, unexpected, never-before-seen problems. The one thing that uh, all three of those different hats have in common is troubleshooting. And that is where a team really comes into its own. Having multiple sets of eyes and multiple brains figuring out how to troubleshoot very mysterious things, uh, that is great. I am so, so glad that I'm not the only one trying to figure out very mysterious problems. 
And if listeners uh, to this podcast work at other gun industry companies or other holster makers or smaller holster makers, uh, you should be right in saying that a larger R&D team would be an asset. This is absolutely true. But it does come, again, at a cost of some level of overhead, um, some level of just time coordinating the team and figuring stuff out. And in order to support that team, you need to have a higher volume of sales and you need to have a more complicated production line. And that's going to cost you some speed and it's going to cost you some agility. Um, that is definitely true for us. Now, we did have a very interesting experiment this past week. And again, because of all the things that I've just talked about, I can't give you any details. Also, this involves another company that isn't us, so we're not at liberty to talk about their stuff either. But occasionally, a company will come to us and they will tell us about something that is going to be new. Uh, we don't have to troubleshoot it uh, <laughs> after the fact. And sometimes it's something that is not super amazing, like a new H&K pistol. And we're like, oh, well, actually, just kidding. H&Ks never come to us. But occasionally a company will come to us with something new and they would like us to move quickly to support it. Or we want to move quickly to see if we can support it. And when we actually drop everything that is on our to-do list or hit pause on some of the procedural stuff that we have to do, and we actually go full throttle, making 3D models, cutting molds, building prototypes, we get to go pretty fast. And it is very fun to start the week off learning about a new thing and finishing the week with actual functional prototypes that look pretty good and feel pretty good. I think uh, the team has done a phenomenal job at maintaining a bit of agility, even within all of the other stuff that we have to do. Now, Sometimes we got to push pause <laughs> in order to sprint. But the fact that we still have the ability to do that uh, is really, really fun. But now we run into another problem, which is T-Rex model support has grown. So when we invented the new Ironside, we actually got that Ironside dialed in pretty quickly. We went through a lot of prototypes of small changes and tweaks to the ergonomics, the durability, testing a bunch of stuff. And we got that thing to a point where it was extremely comfortable. It was extremely practical. Uh, we knew how we were going to make it. And we knew that it was a really good product pretty quickly. It was not very many months of dialing in changes and testing before we knew that we had arrived at a really solid outside the waistband concealment holster. But in order to turn it into a product that T-Rex customers could buy, we needed to make something like 150 molds because we wanted it to be available for almost all of the guns and all of the lights for all of the guns, and right-handed, and left-handed, and so on. So it took us about six months to actually tool up to produce the holster once we had a really good idea of what the holster was. Now, as we tooled up to produce the holster, we also made little design tweaks here and there, discovered new things, continued our endurance testing, uh, swapped a couple things out here and a couple of things out there. So there was continued product development, but just the, the sheer amount of labor that is involved in building the tooling for the product, it's not insignificant. And that's why the uh, T-Rex the Arms channel or my uh, Instagram page no longer has videos about stuff that we were working on last week. We've also just changed some policies internally. We no longer make a mold 
for a gun and a light and put it on the website. We kind of wait until that particular model is well supported, right hand, left hand, all the holsters. There's now three different holster lines and uh, a bunch of lights. That's just, it ends up being 20 to 30 molds when we want to do that. So building and testing 20, 30 different molds, making sure that holsters that come off of those things have a super, super low error rate. Ah, it just takes time. So my recommendation to you, if you are a small uh, holster company or a small gun company or a small any kind of company, and you're thinking about having the kind of resources that T-Rex does, having an R&D team of multiple people who can put their heads together and really function as a team, um, I, I won't lie to you, that is a tremendous asset and it is a joy to be a part of. Uh, but the cost is that agility. So if you are small, I want you to remember the agility that you have and really lean into that. And then if you are a bigger company and uh, you, kind of like me, miss some of that speed and that agility that you have lost as you have grown, just remember the assets and the capabilities that you have as a result of that growth and of that size and lean into that. Um, there's someone that I have been listening to on some other media talking about other processes, actually talking about creating media. And as he has talked about different mediums or media and different tools, he says, try to figure out what this tool gives you for free and then lean into that. Well, technically there's no such thing as a free lunch, but as you are a certain size or have a certain capability or have certain structures in place, figure out what are the strengths of being a small one man band and then lean really heavily into those strengths. And then what are the strengths of coming from having a large development team and a slower process? And lean into those so that you can make the most of where you actually are. And don't just, you know, assume that the grass is always greener everywhere else. And that'll be true outside of, uh, of companies. I mean, right now, uh, Heidi and I have kids that are pretty young, and occasionally we say to ourselves, oh, if only the kids were older, they could help us with such and such. But I'm confident that when the kids are older, we will say, oh, wasn't it great when the kids were younger and we would do this? So figure out what the strengths are to the situation that you are in now and lean into those things for the maximum uh, productivity and joy possible. That's your, uh, that's your homework assignment for today. Bet that wasn't what you expected from an R&D podcast. And then as you grow, or as your family grows, or your kids grow, or your business grows, or your R&D team grows, you will have more power. You will have more capability. And, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And then, you know, with great responsibility comes great caution. And with great caution and testing, there usually comes great cost. And with great cost, you, uh, you need to really look into uh, greater ROI, you know, to be a good steward of these things. And then uh, in order to get greater ROI, you, you need greater power. So that is, uh, that is kind of the growth curve of, of companies. Sometimes that's the feedback loop. So that's uh, not necessarily how things have always been at T-Rex, but uh, it certainly has felt that way sometimes from the, the R&D side. In order to afford the kind of R&D that we've needed to do, we've needed to market product. In order to support the product that is already selling, we've needed greater processes. As the market or the customers or the situation kind of drags you into growing a team or changing the way that you do things or adding complexity here, yeah, don't just follow along blindly. Be mindful about the new things that you have access to or the things that you can no longer do and lean into the new capabilities. Uh, don't just find yourself someplace wishing for the old days. That's uh, that, that's kind of my, my takeaway from thinking about this thing. Thanks to the input from 
guys who have come along from bigger companies and talked to us about what uh, what some of our strengths are and what we can be doing better, and reminiscing uh, about the older days and thinking about some of the things that were really nice, but also some of the bottlenecks we ran into and problems that we just couldn't solve with the resources at our disposal. So that is the podcast. And I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, this, this principle of smaller and more agile and larger and more resources, but less speed. Uh, this is also true of our media. One of the things that I really love about the podcast is how fast it is to produce. Uh, I can just pull out this recorder and record almost anywhere. And uh, it's really quick and simple and easy. And not that many people listen to this podcast. So it feels like there's considerably less pressure than working on a YouTube video that needs to be, you know, high production value and is going to be seen by millions of eyeballs. That is... uh, that is a little bit different. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast, giving us a place to talk about some ideas and test some stuff out with you with a shorter feedback loop more directly. Uh, thank you so much for your feedback, all of you that write into uh, the customer service guys. Um, that feedback is really, really valuable. Here at T-Rex, uh, our big goal is equipping serious citizens. And so we want to reach as many people as possible with the best equipment possible and the best information possible, the most useful content possible. So your feedback is invaluable and uh, we appreciate your listenership and viewership and customership immensely.